Heavenly Father, we thank you that as the Apostle Paul said, your goodness and your loving kindness appeared to us through Jesus Christ. And he pours out his grace upon us. And we thank you for that and reminding us of the hope that is in him tonight. It's in his name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Um, this year, in thinking about what to preach on, some some years, since I've been doing it for a while, it can be difficult. Some people say it must be hard every year preaching basically the same thing. I don't mind preaching the same thing, and uh, and, and that's fine. But sometimes the problem is when you read these gospel stories, there's just so much there, and it's difficult to know what to focus on. And it's kind of like driving past one of those houses in the neighborhood that have taken their Christmas decorations to the next level. <laughs> Maybe you've seen some of those houses. Um, I read about a house in St. Louis that has 20,000 lights, a uh, miniature train from an amusement park in its yard, and an animated reindeer, and then um, it projects on a screen the movie Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in a loop. <laughs> and so this has become an attraction in South St. Louis. And they, they raise money for charity. Um, but uh, it all just seems to scream for your attention. I like to keep things simple. Uh, in my, at my house, there's just one strand of lights. That'll do it. Much to the disappointment of some of our kids. But... Um, there was one thing that really uh, stood out from the gospel reading as I prayed and studied it last couple of weeks. And, and really it's just a word. And maybe it has to do with the biggest news story in the world, which is the war in Ukraine. Um, maybe it has to do with what we've been through. All of us have been through this. There's been division in our families and, and, and in, our, in our workplaces and even there's been tension in church over politics the last couple of years. It's been difficult. Maybe it has to do with um, just a sense of uncertainty when we look towards a new year. What does that new year hold? But, um, but the, the word really is peace. Peace. Uh, it's part of the song that the angels sang to the shepherds um, when they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. The gift of Christmas is the gift of God's peace. And uh, the word peace in, in Hebrew is, as you probably know, Shalom. Jerusalem is the city of peace. Our God is a God of peace. And, and shalom in the Bible and in the, the Greek word for peace, it, it has this sense of um, wholeness, completeness. It's the way that the world should be. It's the way that God intended it to be. It's the way that God intended our lives to be. Whole. And complete. And without him, we're going to be looking for that. Without the peace that he offers, we're going to be looking for shalom. And we're not going to find it. 
until we find it in God's peace. According to the Bible, according to the scriptures. This is what God offers us on Christmas, the gift of his peace. Now, why should we trust that God is the one who can give us wholeness and peace? There's a lot of answers to that question, but one thing that comes to mind as we think about Christmas is the, the idea that God himself has prophesied the gift of a Messiah, a Prince of Peace. We read that in Isaiah 9, didn't we? That there is coming a day, and this was 700 years before the appearance of Jesus, that there's coming a day when God would send a child, the Messiah, who would be the Prince of Peace, and the government of his peace would be unending, be an unending peace. That was 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And around the same time, there was another prophet, the prophet Micah. And he prophesied, he actually predicted that this Messiah would come from Bethlehem. Isaiah 5, or Micah 5, 2. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who will be a ruler of Israel. Micah predicted by the Spirit of God that the Prince of Peace would be born in the little town of Bethlehem. And that's just one example of how God demonstrates his sovereign control over history. He promised a prince of peace and he sent us a prince of peace in Jesus. He fulfilled that prophecy from Micah 2 through a decree of Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor at the time, who decreed uh, about taxes of all things. It was a decree about taxes that set things in Motion got Mary and Joseph moving south to Bethlehem. And one writer puts it, the emperor decrees a worldly thing and heaven smiles. God's at work in history, friends. God's not responsible for the evil and the injustice in history. But that doesn't stop him from fulfilling his plans in history. He's sovereign over that. We can trust the promises of God because time and again we see his promises being fulfilled. He promised a Messiah. He promised a Prince of Peace and he gave us Jesus. And all of his promises in Jesus are faithful. God's a promise keeper. So we, we can trust these promises that God makes us and this promise about peace. And this peace is for everyone who will receive the Prince of Peace. It's for all people. It's significant, don't you think, that the announcement of Jesus' birth came uh, not to the high priest in Jerusalem and not to the religious experts in Jerusalem, not the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that this prophecy of the Messiah, or the rather the announcement that the Messiah had been born, was given not to the elite of the day, not first, not to the government workers in the palace of Caesar or the courts of Quirinius, the governor of Syria. No, the announcement of the birth of Jesus comes to shepherds, blue-collar men, working the midnight shift 
in the hills of Jerusalem. And they receive this supernatural announcement. I like to say all heaven broke loose that night. And scared them to death. When the glory of the Lord shone all around them. But this announcement to the shepherds tells us that the peace that Christ offers is for anyone. Anyone who will come to him, no matter our background, no matter our education, no matter our intellectual level, no matter our economic status, no matter our race, it's available to all who will receive it. Some of you might have noticed that the reading says, on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. And you might think, well, doesn't that mean that we have to please God before we can get God's peace? But there's another way to, to think about this and another way to interpret it. And it's, it's, it's kind of like this. I can give my children a gift based on whether or not they please me. That's not really a gift. That's a reward, I think. Or I can give them a gift because that is pleasing to me as a father who wants to bless his children. And that's the meaning of this. That God is pleased to give his people the gift of God of his peace that comes through Christ. God is pleased to give that to you tonight. God is pleased to remind you of that tonight. I don't know what kind of anxieties and uncertainties you might have come through these doors with. But God is pleased. It would please God. It would delight God if you walked out of here with a renewed hope and peace in Christ. That's why he came. He wants to make you whole. He wants to make you complete. He wants you to know that as you walk out of here that you're right with him. It would please God. It would delight his heart this Christmas. If you would remember this, if you would know this, God is pleased to give this to his people. What kind of peace are we talking about here? Well, in the Roman times, you remember that they had a kind of peace. They called it what the Pax Romana. And, and this was a peace under Caesar Augustus and the remaining emperors and and it established a, a peace, an order in Roman society. But it was, a, it was a peace through power. It was a peace through military might. It was a peace that didn't last forever. Even though some of them thought it would. Because it was an external peace. And there was a, there was a philosopher that was writing around the same time that Luke wrote the gospel. The Stoic philosopher... Epictetus, I believe is how you pronounce his name. But he said, he made this distinction. He said, you know, the, the Roman emperor, Augustus, he has given us peace. We have peace on the land. We have peace in the sea. But he said, there's another kind of peace that people still yearn for. Let me read you what he said. This goes back to the first century. The emperor may give peace from war. But he's unable to give peace from passion. Grief and envy. He said there's something in man. There's sin. There's these desires. There's these passions that we don't have control of. And we need peace regarding these things that are going on in our hearts. He said the emperor cannot give us peace of heart. 
But that's what man yearns for, more than outward peace. I wonder if you think that's true. Do you think that's true tonight? That you can have on the outside things going well, external peace, but on the inside something's messy. There's not the wholeness. There's not the sense of I'm right with myself, with others, with God. Things can be going well on the outside, but our hearts yearn for peace. And that, that is what Christ came to give us. That because of Christmas, because of the birth of Christ, he's brought into this world. Uh, there's been a, a measure through Christians, a, a measure of peace and wholeness to a broken world. His example, a wonderful example for us. I was watching the movie about Charles Dickens. I recommend it. The man who invented Christmas. Watch that last night. And how after Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol, it ushered in a kind of a new era of charity during that time. And a desire to help one's fellow man. That came from Christmas. That came from Christ. Christ is brought into the world. Care for the poor and the sick and the dying, the lonely. Christians have built schools and led scientific advancement and promoted human rights. All that is part of the Christian legacy. And we believe that when Christ comes again, he will set the world right once and for all. But at his first coming, what he primarily came to do was to deal with what's in the heart of man. What's in our hearts. And everything else flows from there. This is a piece that's based on what God has done in Christ. It's based on facts and not feelings. I want to stress that tonight. This is a piece that God has given us in Christ. That although we can experience it subjectively, it has an objective basis. Based on fact, not feeling. It's based on the fact of who Jesus is and what he did. It's based on the fact that 33 years, for 33 years, as this baby who was in a manger grew up, he was faithful to God. He was obedient to God. He never wavered from his devotion to God. He lived a perfect life that I could not live and you can't live in our place. And it's based on the fact that 33 years after this child was born in a manger in this place of humility. Notice that Luke mentions that three times. It's like he wants us to know the Messiah was born in a manger, a manger, a manger. <laughs> this humble place. Well, 33 years after that, this same person, Jesus, humbled himself even to the point of death and voluntarily went to a cross. It's based on reality. This is, this is how Jesus saw his life and his death. He saw it as a sacrifice for us. I read that these shepherds who, raised, who, who, who were outside of Bethlehem, they may have been raising temple sheep. 
they may have been raising, there's reasons to believe, it's not certain, but that these shepherds may have been raising lambs and sheep to be sacrificed in the temple in Jerusalem. And if that's the case, when they went to Bethlehem and they saw the baby lying in the manger, they, those who had given their life to raising sheep to be sacrificed to God, were looking at God's perfect lamb, the ultimate sacrifice, the final sacrifice. The provision that God has made for sinners. This is what God has given us in Christ. Isaiah prophesied a prince of peace. And then Isaiah 53, he details how this prince of peace gives us God's peace. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement upon him brought us peace. It's through his sacrifice. That's the gift of Christmas. So I just want to ask you today to think about a couple of things. Do you have this peace? Do you have this wholeness? Do you have this sense that I'm right with God through Jesus Christ? Are you resting in this peace? Are you walking in this peace? I know there are other ways that people can gain inner peace. I know that. There are all kinds of alternative methods of gaining a sense of Inner peace. There was a survey taken a few years ago of young people who don't believe in the God of the Bible. And they said once a week, 40% of them said once a week I feel inner peace. Not sure how they're getting that inner peace. I know it's possible. I'm not talking just about an inner peace. I'm talking about the peace of God. The peace that God has provided. That's based on facts. If you were there with the shepherds, you would have seen Jesus. If you were there with the shepherds, you would have been overwhelmed with the glory of God that night. If you were there at Calvary 33 years later, you could have touched the wood of the cross. If you were there three days later with the women and, and with Peter who ran into the empty tomb, you could have touched the slab that had the body of Jesus. You could have touched the grave clothes that he left behind. It's a, it's a peace that's based on a reality. But it does have a subjective impact. It's a peace that passes all understanding. And so are you walking in that peace today? And, and let's just conclude with this and look at the response of those who heard the angels. I'm sorry, who heard the shepherds. As they shared what the angels told them. It says in verse 18 that some wondered marveled, were astonished at what the shepherds told them. Some of you tonight might be in that category. You're wondering, could this be true? It's incredible. It's an incredible story. It's a miraculous, supernatural story. Could it be true? Could this be what I'm looking for? It's okay to wonder. But God wants you to move from a place of wondering to a place of trust. To receiving. And then there's Mary. Mary, she pondered this message. And tonight we, we, we want to ponder what does this peace that God has given and God has provided, what does it mean for me? I'll tell you, as I thought about it, what it means for me is that I know no matter what I'm going through in life, I'm with God. And beyond this life, I'm with God. 
and his people. It, it, it means that I'm called to be a peacemaker in my family, among my friends, in the church, in my associates. I'm following my Lord who is the ultimate peacemaker. I'm called to be a peacemaker. Ponder what this means for you. And then, above all, let us do what the shepherds did. Tonight, tonight as you come forward to take communion, where Christ said, this is why I came. Remember me for this. My body has been given for you. My blood has been shed for you. Remember this. Let's be like the shepherds and glorify and praise God. Let's praise Him. Let's give Him glory for this great gift. Amen.